I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, August 12, 2019. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We obviously have a lot to cover. We have to really cover what happened on Friday. We have to cover what happened today. And we certainly have to cover what the expectations are going forward. There are two questions. One is, is it over? Is the market going to collapse? Are we going to break the lows and continue to scale lower, either at or lower than 275 being the bottom, or the other side of that is we're not ready for that yet. We're going to get to all that tonight as the video goes forward. Let's start by reeling back the tape to about Thursday when we were looking for, if the market was to continue higher, we were looking for higher prices into possibly around that 20 period moving average. Obviously, Friday that didn't happen. The market got stuck in the mud on Friday, but interestingly enough, You'll remember that the high and the low, we were basically in between that range, 292.50, 289.55, give or take some pennies on either side, but we were basically inside that range and it was laid out for traders early in the morning from inside the numbers. So what do we have? There's a couple of scenarios working. We have a top and I was looking for either another top to be made here and then we sell off from there or Now, since we didn't get there, instead we started selling off. There are two possible scenarios. Either that was it and we just have a hard sell going forward. That's scenario number one. And scenario B is actually an ABC type pattern that finishes with the C leg above the high of the A leg. Now, a lot of you out there will say, well, this looks like it was it. We just made another lower high. The market's going to sell off from here. We're going down at least another 150 S&P handles by noon tomorrow. I get all that. A lot of people believe that to be the case, which is also precisely why we have to watch out for two things. A, we have to watch out for the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew. And B, we have to watch out for the ABC pattern that would be a corrective pattern inside of the larger down move that is underway. So once again, the corrective pattern looks like this. We have an A leg off the bottom, a B pullback leg, and then a C leg that finishes somewhere in their neighborhood like what we were looking at before. Now the 20 period moving average is slightly lower. We would still be looking for something in that 295, 296 area. How could I possibly be talking about the bull case when the market's on its way into the black hole. I know a lot of people out there are wondering that. I'm going to answer that question, but we're going to use different charts to answer that question. Let's wrap up the daily chart first. So what do we have? We have a market that came down to fill a gap, closed above that gap, which is at least for today a positive sign. And now we have to see if that in fact was the B leg of an ABC corrective pattern. How could you have known that that gap was going to be filled today? We'll get to that in a moment. Let's first go down and take a look at an hourly chart. Rather than focus on the end of the day, and we see that little tail candle there, that's okay, we'll get back to that later. 
Let's focus on this candle right here that comes from last week. It's a breakup candle. We're focused on the breakup candle low 289.88. Why is that? Because markets like to come down and test breakup candle lows and break down candle highs. So what did Inside the Numbers members get? Mid-morning update, this is at 10.15 a.m. They opened right around the price level discussed earlier. The Bears took the ball and still have it. Referring to the daily chart and common sense market analysis videos, remember SPY 289.55. It appears to still be somewhat important. Closing hourly back above the breakup candle low from the morning notes would put the Bears to sleep for a while. The inability to do so would bring the gap back into focus. That's the gap we were discussing before. So inside the numbers members are getting everything I'm seeing before the market opens and as it unfolds throughout the day. If you're trading in the market, it certainly can be helpful. How about the 11.30 a.m. update? The bear case. They go down and fill the gap at ES 2883.75, SPY 287.97. There's a couple of caveats put in there about gaps on different charts at different prices. You get the point. If they close hourly and continue to do so, below the gap fill cited above, that's even more bearish. Under normal garden variety market conditions, there would be at least intraday support in that zone. If they flush, look for for about another 10 points or so in the ES or another dollar in the SPY. That's meaning a dollar lower. The bull case, they get back above the same area. Well, that didn't happen. The bear case played out. And I did that at 11.30 because I had to be out, which is the reason why this video is late to begin with. So what happened? So we closed. First, we tried to close back above and they did close back above. And then immediately when the second hour got underway, the bears took back the ball and they began trading in and around that important 289.55. This comes off the chart from last week. Then what happened? We subscribed in the morning notes, in the mid-morning notes also, we described and prescribed the fact that if they ended up closing below that breakup candle low, they would end up going down to fill the gap that we discussed. If they fill the gap and continued lower on a quote-unquote flush, here's what to watch out for. Another 10 points or a dollar in the SPY. So what happened? Where was the gap? The gap was right underneath 288. It was at 287.97. Remember what we said in the notes? If they flush lower, look for about a dollar lower, 10 points in the SPY. What's the low here? 287.02, about a dollar lower, or about a little less than 10 points in the ES S&P E-mini futures contract. They close the day above the gap, but they close weak. Keep everybody guessing. Where do we go from here? What do we see on the hourly chart? Well, any trader that's taken the course, Lazy E-mini trader, can see something very important from a time perspective. What about a 120-minute chart? We see something very, very similar just looking at it from a different perspective. We also have to recognize this certainly may be one of two things. It's either going to be an ABC pattern and we're going to have another leg higher or they're going to pull the rug out and we're going to make lower lows. 
So what's the bogey? How do we know as early as possible other than a big gap down when we wake up in the morning? We use today's low as the near-term bogey. So here's the way I'm going to look at it from this point forward. Based on what happens tomorrow morning, if we wake up to a big gap down, this will be a different story. But right now, based on what I see, I'm going with this was a pullback of a garden variety and we're less likely to see the rug get pulled out right away and more likely to see us try and rally or see the market try and rally potentially forming an ABC corrective pattern. Now, if that turns out to be wrong and we go straight down in the morning, everybody wakes up to a big gap down, I'll have some egg on my face. That's fine. You can roast me in the comments if you want. I'm good with that. I'm always going to be aware that the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew are going to do the thing that most people are not expecting the market to do next up, the transports. Telling a different tale. The transports are weak. They're telling the tale of lower prices. And basically, it's pretty simple. If these lows give way, lower prices coming down here to this double bottom area, if these lows hold, they could banter back and forth for a while. But that's where we are. We're against a pretty good risk-reward scenario right now. We're close to risk. I'm not suggesting you buy the transports. I'm just saying this is where a chart would be close to risk. Risk is right here, and the transports are hovering near risk. How about the triple Qs? Do we see anything different in the triple Qs than we see in the SPY? Not really. It's the same routine. It's the same thing going on in the chart. We just got below the three out of four moving averages based on today's close. And one worse, today's close was below the low of this last breakup candle, but there's a gap right below. So what do you do with that? Is the gap more important than the breakup candle? Nobody can say, I'm just bringing out what I see on the chart. And while one thing may be important one day, another thing may be important another day. And when there's indecision or you have two things that contradict, very close to each other. You don't do anything with it. You become a spectator. It's of note. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table, but you've got to get information from other markets when you have conflicting information. The XLF struggling. Is the XLF going to go back and forth or is the XLF going to collapse? Our bogey is the low right here that happened from the 7th of August. That low is 26.24. That's for the bear case. Any close below that number and the bears hop on board and likely drive price much lower. The bull case would be getting back above this area next day's high, which would be the 8th of August. The high is 27.27. We've got to get up there, close above that price level in order to light a match on the upside for the XLF. In between, I'm afraid they're just going to be in a range trading back and forth until one side or the other gives way. What's really developing here, this is a move downward and essentially what is developing currently is a bear flag pattern and this will normally result in an ensuing move or a continuation move to the downside. May happen sooner or later, but that's usually the way these work. We watch them happen over and over and over again. Here's something of note. We don't look at this a lot. I look at this. I use this in addition to the XLF. This is the XBD, it's the Broker Dealer Index. So financial related, but different components within the two instruments. 
just so happens that the broker-dealer index is leading to the downside against the XLF. You have two financial instruments. The broker-dealer is the one that's weaker. Why is that? There's no way to know for sure, but being the fact that this contains broker-dealers, your Morgan Stanleys, UBSs, Deutsche Bank... We've discussed Deutsche Bank. And by the way, I have another conspiracy theory. Back to the broker-dealers. Other broker-dealers, Goldman Sachs, and some are in both categories, obviously, but the broker-dealers being weaker likely tells us there's less trading going on. That means, to me at least, more indecision, more people a little bit frozen, less activity across the financial markets. Less activity across the financial markets in terms of broker-dealer activity, meaning the transactions that happen through a broker-dealer. Where do those come from? Mutual funds, hedge funds, mom and pop like you and me. So if there's indecision, if people, whether it's institutional people or retail investor, you and me people, if we're waiting for something to happen, when that thing does happen... In my humble opinion, that thing will be a pretty large thing to a degree or magnitude larger than what we've seen yet so far this year because you're going to end up with a lot of chasers. Can't exactly count on that information, but it doesn't really matter. It's an opinion, but the takeaway is the larger magnitude. I think the next leg down, when it does occur... And that goes for whether or not we have the C leg of an ABC pattern left or not. Either way, the next leg down, in my opinion, is going to rock the boat. If SPY 275 ends up to be the bottom, this down here, then I'm wrong. And it's not likely a big rock the boat scenario, a tremor, a monsoon. But if they break below 275, I think it is. I think people are going to have to or be required to shit their pants in order for the market to get rid of some of the jitters, clean out some excesses, and get on with it. Here's the SMH, and it's much of the same case like we just discussed in the XLF, for example. Very similar chart, putting in a bear flag pattern, if you will. Let's forget the SMH for a minute. Let's get back to a quick Conspiracy Theory 3.0. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick look at crude oil. I made a promise we would cover crude oil tonight. I have to keep the promise. What do we see on the daily chart or any other chart for that matter in crude oil? Is there anything relevant? Do we see anything important? Well, here's the deal in crude oil. We don't discuss it a lot, but in the last several times we did discuss it, we've been looking at and centered around 54. A number of times we've noticed 54 is important. I think 54 is still important. I think we need to maintain daily closes above 54. If they do, then it's likely they'll want to trade up into the 50 period moving average at 56. Why is that? It's not just the 50 period moving average. You also have an assemblance of important information in here by virtue of the market making these pivot lows. Once a market does that, it's showing you that that price level is important. So we have some pivot lows down here. And once the market comes back up to the same area where those pivot lows existed from before, is it likely or unlikely that same general price area 
is important once again? And the answer is it's likely, and we're already seeing the market reach the beginning of that area and begin to have trouble with that area. We can certainly trade up 256 in and around the place where that 50 period moving average. But I believe that in terms of crude oil, you're likely to see a lot of the movement, whether it's in the northern or southern direction, tend to be dependent on the larger picture for the stock market as well. Not all the time, not every day, but right here, right now, we'll use 54 as the bogey on the downside. Now, what happens if there is a lot of downside? Where is the next major area of support for crude oil? $47. That doesn't mean there's not a few way stations in between. $47 is the next area for me of major support. Let's go back to conspiracy theory, and this is a minor one, so it's almost like conspiracy theory 2.5. It's like a quick security patch. Thinking about the China economy. Okay, fair enough. So China does a lot of manufacturing. Trump is always complaining that manufacturing left the U.S., went to China and other places for that matter. We know that. And that was one of our big problems. That's fair and that's also true. So he's trying to level the playing field, imposing tariffs on China. Okay, that's tariffs on imports coming into the U.S., China exports. Importing to the U.S., tariffs, money for the U.S. They lower their currency, a manufactured lowering of their currency to try and offset the tariffs. That's what they did last week. Who's they? It's China. But here's the conspiracy theory. Are they really going to run to make a deal because of this? Think about this. A, we know all the real reasons for the deal has to do with intellectual property and a lot of other things that the media doesn't talk about because frankly, they don't understand. And frankly, the general population doesn't want to know about it. They just want to see a deal or no deal. They want to know what the market's going to do tomorrow. That's it, period, full stop. Nobody really cares whether there's a deal or no deal with China. They just care that the pundits on TV say there's certainty and here's what the market's going to do going forward. When they say there's uncertainty, it gives unrest to people watching the channel and then they have trouble selling advertising. Remember that? So that whole model doesn't work, but sometimes they have to live with it for a while. So where's the conspiracy theory? Well, here it is. I don't think China has to run to make a deal because I think we make more out of their exports than they make out of their exports. Why do I say that? I didn't really dig into the numbers. I don't know their numbers in terms of exports to products that stay domestically to China manufactured at home, stay at home, get sold at home, that kind of stuff. I don't know the numbers, but here's what I do know. They have a tremendously accelerating and growing population of people that are coming from having not a lot of stuff to having stuff. That means they're experiencing a wealth boom. That means they're buying a lot of stuff that's made in China and it's staying in China. Again, I don't really know the numbers. This is more from a conceptual standpoint and more from the standpoint of are they really in such a hurry to make a deal and can this actually get ugly? If the market participants decide it can get ugly and they want to pin the reason on China, then it will get ugly. Here's the main point. My main point is I think there's an element of we may believe, and when I say we, it's our administration, if you will, We may believe that the China exports importing to the U.S. 
are more important to China than they really are. And if that has a sniff of being correct, then that's just another element where we may have miscalculated or misread the opponent. China is a formidable competitor. I think a lot of people underestimate our competitors and overestimate our own objectives and some of the strategies and tactics that are used to achieve the objectives. We'll see. It's a tiny little add-on to conspiracy theory Mad Libs, and that's about where we'll leave it for today. I'm out of wind. I will pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis. Thank you.